The following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's Durham, directions or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. This evening's reading comes from 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 13 to 25. I'll give you a moment to find that in your Bibles at home. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the words, the flowers of the field. The grass withers and all the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good evening, everyone. It is so great to be joining you all from my kitchen here in Nottingham. For those who don't know me, my name is Tom. I work on staff here at St Nick's. I wanted to start tonight with an item some of you may remember well. Indeed, actually, some of you may still own the very popular What Would Jesus Do wristbands. The thin piece of fabric, often in bright colours, with the letters WWJD sewn into it. I remember it being a bit of a craze among my Christian friends at school, not to mention Christian festivals. Gosh, it almost felt like you needed one of these wristbands in order to get in. But saying that, and despite it cutting off blood supply to my right hand most days at school, this wristband held a really prominent part of my faith journey, a near constant means by which to share my faith with those around me. But what was strange, I remember, is that that question imprinted on the fabric, what would Jesus do, was a question I never actually thought to ever ask myself. I mean, I asked it to others. I used it as a way to talk about Jesus lots and lots, but I never stopped, looked down at my wrist and thought, whoa, how am I living like Jesus today? Perhaps I just didn't catch the gist of the wristband very well. But in fairness, this is a question I've only been asking daily of myself fairly recently. So much so that when reading through our passage tonight, a few weeks back, 
A big smile came across my face as I realised this is a passage of scripture that's asking us that very same question. You see, this is a passage that challenges us to remember that as the people of our God, as the people belonging to one so holy, to a God who brought in his coming kingdom with Jesus, believing in the good news is only the means behind living the good news, of making it a way of life, a life that points towards Jesus. I call this challenge, what would Jesus do? In our passage tonight, Peter calls it being holy. I'm not sure about you, but I often get caught up in thinking that being holy has to involve attempting to copy Jesus in every possible way, always being perfect, and therefore always ending doing a pretty bad job. And yet tonight, I want to explore holiness as Peter sees it, centrally through understanding holiness as both a given as well as a goal in our Christian life. Not a bad attempt at copying Jesus, but a life living a new way because of him. Something that can and should define all our own faith journeys. Sound okay? Well, let's start by looking at our passage together and how Peter is defining the church as a given holy people. To start all this then, Peter looks backwards to the Old Testament. Those who joined us last week to hear the legend that is David Day launch this new sermon series would have been enlightened as I was to see Peter's use of the Old Testament and ancient Jewish languages of prayer in the first 12 verses of this chapter. And so it is no surprise that Peter does exactly the same here. Indeed, verse 16 in our passage is a reference to several Old Testament passages all at once such as Leviticus 11.44 and Leviticus 19.2 and, you've guessed it, Leviticus 20 verse 7. By looking backwards to this middle book in the Jewish Torah, the retelling of God's formation of the Israelites as his chosen people, by giving them his law to uphold, our holiness is linked to our worship and obedience of God. For the following of the law marked out the Israelites as God's chosen people, God's holy people, a people that when God chose to dwell among them in the tabernacle had to shape every aspect of their lives from the food they ate to the clothes they wore to the money they spent, responding to the reality that God's presence was now with them. But this is so important because it wasn't following the law that made God's people truly distinct and holy. It was firstly the fact that God was with them that he chose them as his people, that where he was, like in the story of the burning bush in Exodus, was holy ground. The law was the promise that Israel had been chosen by God, and through their obedience to it, other nations could see God at work. But the Israelites' holiness fundamentally was a holiness found because they were in the presence of their most holy God. And in our passage, Peter latches on to this fact to teach us that same truth today. Holiness is a given because it's given by God, a matter of fact, when we give our lives over to him. But this doesn't make the law or this, or this new way of living unimportant, quite the opposite, in fact. Because the call to holiness is also a response to, like the Israelites had, to shape every aspect of our lives around this most perfect and precious God a God who has made us, you and me, his holy people. 
and chose to dwell close to us in Jesus and through the Holy Spirit. It's a call to live a new way, to see ourselves as holy people. And Peter again isn't finished here. In verses 17 to 21, he looks backwards again, albeit only about 50 years, to the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, to cement the fact that holiness is a given because the one who calls us holy has ransomed us from sin. These verses are simple, but life-changing in their truth, telling us that this holy God, the God of Israel, who gave his people the law to respond to his presence living with them, has even when they and us all turned away, didn't reject us, but came and lived and died and rose again, so that we can be holy once for all, covered not by the law, but by, as verse 19 tells us, the precious blood of Jesus. Friends, what a gospel. Now, of course, this didn't come without a cost. It cost Jesus his life. Taking a penalty of judgment we see in verse 17 of our passage that will be judged by God to all. We've all made mistakes. We've all fallen short of that standard. So much so that even being able to draw close to one so holy should fill us, as verse 17 continues to say, with reverence and with fear. But it should also fill us with awe and wonder at how in this good news we see a holy God coming close to the unholy, coming close to the unclean to make us clean, to the imperfect to reveal perfection, to the dead to give us life. Holiness is therefore not just about our distinction, about trying to copy God. We can't match his perfection because holiness is actually about being transformed from having been made holy to God through the cross and now being transformed through the Holy Spirit into that new creation. God is making what is unholy holy, making us more like Jesus. So, where do we go? What do we do with all that? Theory is great, but as Peter states, even in the first verse of our passage, we need to prepare our minds for action, put the theory into practice. Holiness as a given is only a means to make holiness a goal. And thankfully, Peter doesn't hang us out to dry on this point either, giving us two ways in our passage by which to make this goal of holiness take shape in our daily lives. One, as a person of God through obedience and faith. And two, as the people of God through love and hope. Let's take a look at the latter first. We've seen throughout this passage that the call to holiness has always been about how the people of God, God's chosen, are to live reflecting him in the world. And we can see this no clearer than in verse 22, instructing the holy people of God to love one another earnestly. For if the primary character of God is love, then the primary mirrored character of his people should surely be to love one another as well. And this goes even deeper. Putting our Greek hats on for a moment, the two uses of the word love in this verse are actually made up of two different Greek words. The first is the word philia, often referring to brotherly, affectionate love. Whereas the second, the word used in the instruction to love one another, is the Greek word agape, which often refers to unconditional love, love that mirrors God's love for us. 
even within one sentence, Peter demonstrates how in being made holy in God's love and sacrifice for us, we are then made able to love one another like God loves us all, living a new way, living a holy way. It's transformation all over. And having love for one another in this time of lockdown and pandemic is perhaps more vital than ever. I'm finding this hard, simply in that I'm not able to be with you all. But in times like communion this evening, uniting around God's gifts, in prioritising time spent virtually with one another, praying for each other's needs, we can all still be pursuing that call to holiness. And of course, loving each other is also an instruction to love people beyond the virtual walls of our church. This, friends, is where our holiness becomes a marker of God's blessing and love to those around us. We are, as a church, joining in with other churches across our country in the first evening of Christian Aid Week. A week where, as a church, we're going to be coming together to learn more about the biblical call for justice. Justice and holiness are in many ways two sides of the same coin. The coin of loving others, finding hope and seeking God's kingdom across our world. Perhaps you can join in with the stuff planned this week, learn something new and start supporting the vital work of this fantastic Christian charity. Pursue the goal of holiness through love and through hope. Well, what about ourselves? Well, I hope by now you can see that because our holiness in God is both a given and a goal for us all, a way of living like Jesus every day, it massively concerns how we choose to live such a life. There's, of course, a myriad of different ways to approach this, many of which might be rather difficult, uncomfortable even. For Peter, in his letter, he's writing to Christians dispersed across the Roman provinces of Asia Minor, alone and under threat. And of course, I don't want to make too much of a similarity here to our own current situation, but there might be an amount of similarity, perhaps, to feeling dispersed at the moment, of living out of the view of others, perhaps feeling isolated or alone. When no one is looking, there's a temptation, isn't there, to, to lose sight of this call to holiness upon us all. One that can be answered by indulging instead in prayer, in loving our family and friends around us, and increasing our time spent with God in his word. Of course, that might involve for some of us some much needed reflection and repentance. Not because God wants to show us all our mistakes and then leave us all alone, but because through our mistakes, he wants to show us his love, to take what's unholy and make it holy again. This means that instead of showing an almost, I don't know, performative piety in front of God and others, we can sincerely seek obedience and faith, as verses 13 to 15 teach us. But secondly, pursuing holiness means that when we want an aspect of our lives to change, to reflect God's character more, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to transform us. Not by only abstaining from what's bad and what needs to change, but indulging or marinating, as David used last week, in what's good and what comes from God. A few years back, I was finding myself struggling with distraction whenever I prayed. I know it's not 
that big of a deal, but I literally only had to say, dear God, or Heavenly Father, or whatever. And my head would just be filled with thoughts of what I wanted for tea, or what I thought of the TV show I watched last night. I remember speaking to a Christian friend about it, who suddenly raised his voice and said, Tom, no, this is very, very bad. You shouldn't be getting distracted in prayer. Next time you feel distracted, stop yourself, get up and walk away. I followed his advice. And for the next three weeks, I didn't pray at all. I abstained from what was bad without choosing then to respond, to marinate, to invite God to transform me, to see what was so good about prayer in the first place, that I was able to draw close to my Heavenly Father. I don't know if you have been in a similar situation to this. Maybe you're in a similar situation right now, wanting an aspect of your life to change but not knowing how. Peter's encouragement to us all in this passage is to remember that being holy is not just about closing the door to sin, but opening the door to Jesus, to live a new way in his blessing. We can't earn our holiness, friends. We can only pursue the goal as an act of obedience and faith, building our lives on God's love and letting his Holy Spirit transform us. It's as we began this talk with that wristband, not asking ourselves, what shouldn't I do? But what instead would Jesus do? Look to him and invite him in today. And so coming into land, I want to end perhaps surprisingly with the very first word that starts tonight's passage, the word therefore. Therefore what? Therefore why? Therefore how? You see, I think the Christian life is a bit of a therefore life, a life where in believing and trusting that our God loves us and through his son has made us holy. We are therefore called to live like him and for him in this world. We've discovered together tonight that truth once again, that we, regardless of who we are and where we are with God right now, we are made holy through him. It's a given. But he's also calling each of us into a deeper realisation of that holiness with him throughout our lives. It's a goal. And we can invite his spirit to plant those truths in our hearts tonight, choosing to make it a priority for us, perhaps in this lockdown season, to not only anchor ourselves in the holiness God's gifted to us, but to seek it more in loving him and others. Following this talk, we're going to sing together, Build My Life. And the words of that song are a long prayer of devotion and dedication to that holy life God's calling you to. I'd really encourage you to use that time to reflect and invite God into those areas of your life you want him to transform. He's so willing and so ready to meet us. Friends, holiness it's not a life where we try really, really hard to be better people and better Christians, worming our way up a scale to God's standard. It's not a life of copying. It's a life of living as a new creation, seeking the new kingdom coming into our world. And so it starts with a response, with a therefore to the love that God has shown us and is still showing us today. What would Jesus do? What's he asking you today? Because even in a time 
of global pandemic, we must still raise our holy hands and praise his most holy name, the name of our God, who was and is and is to come. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you for listening to the St. Nick's Durham podcast. If you would like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St. Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.